Welcome to another episode of The Burnt Chef Journal, hosted by myself, Chris Hall, the founder of The Burnt Chef Project. This week's guest is Drew Yeager, who joins us from Club Soda, which is a non-profit working within hospitality to educate both consumers and hospitality staff about mindful drinking. They believe that sobriety isn't the only answer in terms of relationship with alcohol, but actually mindful drinking and moderation is also a key way of improving our overall well-being and mental health. I certainly learned a lot from Drew. It's a fantastic conversation. I know I say that every single week, but honestly, the guests that we have on continue to surprise me week after week, and each topic of conversation is unique and full of information. So I really hope that you enjoyed this week's episode, and if you want to learn more about Club Soda, do head over to their website, and uh, thank you very much for joining us. Lamb Western are your partner in potatoes. We're a leading global frozen potato manufacturing business with a wealth of experience in offering a portfolio of high-end and quality products on a consistent basis. We supply the pub, casual dining, QSR sectors. We believe in well-being through potatoes and we are very proud to support the Burnt Chef Project. Here to offer our support and help for those that need it and any solutions that you need for you and your business. Hi, how are you doing? I'm very well, sir. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. I feel like April's been a very long month. <laughs> Wait, honestly. I feel broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's about right. So, yes, anyway, this isn't about me. This <laughs> whole episode is about you and cool. what Club Soda stand for and your experience and background. So, Without further ado, if you could, Drew, just explain to the listeners sort of who you are, how you came into hospitality and sort of what you do currently as well, please. Mm-hmm. Um, so my name's my name's Drew Yeager. I'm one of the co-founders of Club Soda. Club Soda is a mindful drinking movement. We've been going for about seven years and we were born out of my co-founder Laura's experiences of quitting drinking about eight years ago and finding that support available at that time was pretty terrible. Um, we do three main things. We support people who want to change their drinking. So I run all of our courses and programs and workshops for people, whether you want to cut down or quit or take a break or however you want to reassess your relationship with alcohol alcohol. That's my role in Club Soda is that I support people to change. We're also really passionate about choice. There has been over the past kind of five years a fantastic explosion of low and no alcohol drinks options on the market. And one of the things that we do in Club Soda is help people navigate those choices, find the best low and no alcohol drinks and and where to find them. Um, And then we're all about connection as well. We know from our own research and the research of others that actually we change best when we are in relationship with other people who've got our back. So we've got a big Facebook group. We're active on Instagram and other places. Um, so, yeah, change, choice and connection is what Club Soda is all about. My personal background, actually, you described me as being in hospitality. Actually, I'm an interloper in this world. My, my background's actually in the third sector, in the public sector, as a writer and a researcher. Um and a policy person. Um, I got involved in Club Soda in the first place because I was really interested with Laura in thinking about what can we do that works 
you know, that's really what's kind of driven my engagement in all of this is that I'm interested in finding solutions that help people drink more mindfully and live well. That has to be the undercurrent for me in all of this. Um, Laura, my co-founder, actually grew up in a pub. Um, her father was a landlord. And, um, you know, actually, and that has somehow shaped our priorities in Club Soda. We are we want to be a good friend to um, the hospitality industry. There is a lot that's going on in the hospitality industry about supporting consumers to be more mindful drinkers. Um, and we've got some great working relationships with all sorts of people across the hospitality sector um, who are making that happen. You know, there's this kind of view, particularly if you kind of put the alcohol change hat on, that pubs are a bad thing. And actually, we fundamentally disagree. We think that pubs, bars and restaurants can be the heart of a community and that connecting with other people in a social environment can be really good for people. Um, and you can do that and not drink alcohol. That's an entirely feasible thing to do. So that's, yeah, how I come close to being involved in all of this. That's amazing. And what is it that you think, I mean, how does hospitality and how do we as a, uh, certainly as a nation have such a, I, I don't want to use the term reliance, but why is our relationship with alcohol so, uh, you know, toxic, I guess? Yeah. Mm. So if you're going to take a really, really long view of this, you know, we live in a cold, dark part of Northern Europe. We've been brewing beer for the last 10,000 years and we regularly escape inside um, to avoid the inclement weather especially in winter and then we have this magical liquid that makes us warm and cozy so you know bedded into our culture in in this part of the world is uh, is a very kind of long-standing relationship with alcohol it is part of how we celebrate together and how we commiserate together you know we use drinking to mark big life events and it becomes part of the rhythm of our lives as well you know I have a lot of conversations about Friday night drinks and that challenge of the transition from the working week to the weekend and how particularly for people who are changing their relationship with alcohol, how you suddenly become aware of all of these ways that alcohol is woven into your life really unthinkingly. So, um, I, you know, I think in some ways, yes, you know, our relationship can be toxic but there are very many ways in which people drink which add value to their lives um one of the uh, one of the kind of the phrases that always goes around in my head is comes from professor david nutt who's a former government advisor on drugs and he wrote an amazing book about drinking um, and one of the things that he says is that drinking alcohol above all should be a conscious choice you know, and I think that has to be what drives our, if we're going to rethink our relationship with alcohol, that has to be what the driver is. You know, in Club Soda, we are open to however people change their drinking, whether people want to carry on drinking and drink more mindfully or want to take a break or stop completely. But whatever you do, whether you're drinking or not drinking, make it a conscious choice, not just something that happens. And I think maybe that's where in... um particularly in the hospitality industry or in or in pubs more broadly that's where drinking can become problematic is when it becomes 
kind of accidental, kind of a thing that just happens that people don't really pay attention to. Alcohol does have the potential to add significant value to our lives, but we have to put it in the context of everything else. Um, and I think that's somewhere, yeah, there's, it's not so much a toxic thing, but certainly an area where we can afford to pay more attention, I think. Yeah, no, no, no apologise for that sort of uh, that, that specific word. I guess when you're coming at it from a mental health perspective, you always look at alcohol mm -hmm. as the thing that induces anxiety and the thing that we use to self-soothe during yeah. periods of, you know, intense stress. And you know, mm -hmm. it's no it's no surprise that hospitality we we we're surrounded by alcohol on a daily basis, and the culture yeah. is to. To drink and you know certainly after shifts not just to have a quick drink and then leave and, but to have multiple drinks and, and yeah. extend it and I mean how do you feel that we as an industry can start to move around this particular subject and make it less of a taboo subject when you know swapping out for zero percent or soft drinks instead mm -hmm. of that that two three four pints after work yeah, well, I think there are some things which are worth recognising just about the way in which we as a population drink. You know, one in five of the UK population never drinks alcohol at all. That figure genuinely surprises people. If you are surrounded by people who drink alcohol, you may not notice that there are lots of adults in the UK population who, who don't drink. Most people don't drink every day. Most people don't drink to get drunk. You know, there are, there is a hardcore of people who are drinking every day, but if you find yourself in that group, it's important to know that you're in a minority. You know, you're actually probably consuming most of the alcohol in the country, by the way. But but as a, you know, in terms of pure numbers, you're in a minority. So there's something about, for, for me, about how does our workplace socialising become truly inclusive? You know, if you're thinking about the, a group of people working in a restaurant or working in a pub or working in a bar, you're going to have people potentially from all sorts of different backgrounds with all sorts of different attitudes and life experiences. Maybe you'll have an age range, you'll have some gender differences. You've probably got some different racial backgrounds as well. You know, you'll be a mix of people. Hospitality is the big, one of the biggest industries in the country. It, it attracts a very wide range of people. If we assume that everyone that we work with has our attitudes, has our beliefs, has our assumptions about alcohol and the way in which we drink, we're going to come a cropper really quickly, or worse, we're going to end up excluding people. Um, that you'll, you, there will be that person who always drifts away at the end of the shift, who always has a reason to go home. And that may be in part because they don't drink alcohol, you know. And when the rest of the team is tucking into, you know, after work beers or a bottle of wine or spirits or whatever you're doing, you know, there will be people who are excluded from that. So for me, that, that culture change is really about being inclusive and making sure that we've got a space where everyone who's part of the team feels welcome. Um, one of the things that we've been doing over the past year, which is important to say, and I guess one of the things in context for this conversation, is that we've been working with the Drinks Trust who support um, people in the drinks industry and hospitality and beyond um, to provide our courses free of charge for anyone who works in hospitality. So if you are in the industry and if you are struggling with drinking, if you feel that you need to cut down, you need to take a break or go alcohol free, um, it's really important to know that you're not alone in that. There are really good examples all over the industry of people working behind bars and in restaurants and working with alcohol professionally every day 
who've worked out how to separate out their professional relationship with booze and their personal relationship with booze and have been able to change their personal drinking and continue to be successful in the industry. So I think it's about both those things. It's about it's about being inclusive of everyone, but it's also about understanding that if alcohol is having a negative impact on us, there is support available. And you know, working with the with the Drinks Trust Club Soda is one of the sources available that can help you tackle those challenges. Thank you. And for those you know who perhaps are questioning whether or not alcohol is having a negative impact on them, and if it's something that they you know would like to look at addressing, what sort of signs should people be looking out for? Um, I guess where people are going to feel the impacts is going to depend on the person. But mostly, I think people notice physical things, you know, a persistent feeling of tiredness, really struggling to get out of bed in the morning. Hangovers are an obvious sign. Although really interestingly, something to become aware of is if you're drinking every day and you're never really experiencing hangovers, you're you're probably on the edge of alcohol dependence or you may become dependent on alcohol because you've simply got a low level of alcohol in your system all the time and it's never getting to a point where you're feeling the negative benefits of it. So disbenefits of it. So so yeah, that's something to be very aware of. If you're drinking every day and you're not feeling it anymore, that's definitely a sign that you should be doing something about it. But yeah, you're right, Chris, to you know, point out you know, we drink alcohol to relax and to calm down. But actually, one of the things that alcohol does is it messes with our stress response. It it, it releases cortisol. It raises our anxiety levels. You know, that feeling of anxiety you may have the morning after, um, you know, won't be just that you may have lost track of what was going on. And, you know, maybe you don't know where your phone is, or you've got no idea what you said to a colleague. But actually, alcohol is having an impact on your anxiety levels. Um, it obviously contributes to problems like depression as well. Sleep deprivation, sleep gets really me- messed up by drinking. There are all sorts of ways in which it affects a sort of physical and emotional level. I guess it's really important to say in that, that um, you don't have to live with it. You know, that's the other thing that's worth saying. I think for a long time, certainly when I think about my own drinking, I I I kind of cherished the hangover as almost like a a sign of having had a really good night. You know, it was like something I really, you know, I, I kind of relished the the discomfort and the curtains drawn and the shitty TV and, you know, um uh fizzy orange and mini cheddars my go-to hangover cure of choice but you know looking back at it what I should have been saying to myself is I'm wasting my day I'm you know I I have a day off today and I'm spending it feeling crap and sorry for myself you know so not ignoring the physical and the mental impacts that that it has as well I think is really important. I'm glad you brought that up one of the things that I'd noticed certainly over lockdown is you don't have the distractions. You don't have the responsibility that you once had in terms of getting up and going to work because you're sat at home and you're housebound in, in many cases. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've had a, a really strange relationship with alcohol over the last 12 months since COVID kicked in. And over the first lockdown, I was relying upon alcohol to to reduce the anxiety and to 
uh, drink out of boredom. And it wasn't necessarily a conscious decision. And this is where the mindful drinking comes in. It was a knee jerk mm-hmm. reaction to I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm anxious. What can I do? Um, I know, let's have a beer. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm sure it's fine. I'm not, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. I've not got work tomorrow. And so I then went on a bit of a, um, I don't know how to say it. I went on a bit of a teetotal mission and drank alcohol free beers for, for, for approximately a month. And, you know, whilst I, whilst while I went through that process, I realized that actually the impact that alcohol was having on me f- mentally and physiology, physically like you know that first beer after i'd stopped drinking i realized that i was slower my brain wasn't mm-hmm. working as well the next day i felt you know mm-hmm. sluggish i craved carbs i craved like these, these you know just crap um and it was at that point i suddenly realized that the impact that the, the long-term impact not just the short term but the long-term impact that drinking was mm-hmm. having on you and it's become made me become more aware but having said that if I have a heavy week and it's, you know, it's been tough, I do limp forward to that Friday and I think, mm-hmm. oh, I have those two or three beers, takes the edge off of life not quite nicely. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, you're thinking, oh, I've just done it to myself again. And and so how, how does one keep mindful? Like, how do you practice that particular skill? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, how drinking's changed in lockdown and how there are some particular types of types of drinking which which uh behavior change scientists and alcohol researchers identify get us into difficulties broadly speaking there's social drinking you know the kind of drinking that we do to connect with others you know including our partner there's emotional drinking which is the kind of drinking that we do to cope with difficult emotions like stress and uh, anxiety and anger and sometimes to access positive emotions um, and then there's kind of routine drinking you know the kind of drinking that happens without us kind of consciously paying attention to so you mentioned the five o'clock on Friday drinks you know the drinks you have with Sunday lunch or the drinks you always have in the garden on a Saturday afternoon or whatever it is you know it's the drinking that just kind of happens really interestingly over lockdown and people whose kind of drinking is primarily social have actually found it really easy to not drink during lockdown um you know deprived of contact with other people people just haven't been sitting on their own uh at the kitchen table on a Friday evening, sinking eight pints of beer, which they would have happily done sitting in the pub with their mates, you know, but people haven't brought their social drinking home. Um, emotional drinking has really skyrocketed. You know, we've all been under enormous amounts of stress and pressure and anxiety and worry and, you know, just living with persistent uncertainty month after month after month. If you're somebody who's lent into alcohol as a way of coping, alcohol has been there and, you know, that has been, for lots of people that's really rapidly ramped up and then it's routine drinking it's routine drinking you know that kind of unconscious drinking which for many people you know over the last year people have noticed things like maybe the time that I have my first drink has crept forwards you know maybe I'm having one more beer over the course of the evening maybe I'm making my cocktail stronger than I used to you know it's just that incremental change over time that it's gone up and up and up so I think it's really useful when we're thinking about our drinking to recognize that it's not all one thing 
You know, we, we, particularly when we start wrestling with alcohol, it becomes difficult for us. We tend to think of alcohol as a singular problem, but actually important to recognize that some of our drinking might be social, some might be emotional, some might be routine, and we need different ways of dealing with all of it. The most simple thing that you can do if you're going to start to pay attention to your drinking is to just ask four simple questions. And, um, if you sign up for one of our courses, you know, again, free if you, uh, with the support of the hospitality, uh, with the support of the Drinks Trust, if you work in the hospitality industry. Um, if you sign up to our courses, we teach you these four questions and they're embedded in everything that we do. Four questions to ask about your drinking. Where am I? When am I drinking? Who am I with? And what happens? Um, you know, particularly if you're somebody who's struggling with drinking, a lot of your focus can become very internal and you can start to beat yourself up about the fact that you're having drinks that you don't want, that you don't know how to stop, that you, you know, all of that kind of internal stuff. So it's really useful to turn the attention outwards and to think about the circumstances around your drinking. And the the questions, those questions that you ask, where am I? Um, When does this happen? Who am I with? What am I drinking and what happens? They're really helpful to put your attention outwards on the circumstances. So just as a really practical example, somebody told me um, back towards the beginning of the very first lockdown, feels like forever ago, doesn't it? Um, but, um, but she was saying how there was this group of friends that she socialized with. Um, uh, they used to get together for, for wine, you know, once a week. Um, and then when lockdown happened, they transitioned online um, and they were doing it over Zoom. And so they'd all bring a bottle of wine. And suddenly she was noticing, actually, I'm drinking the whole bottle. I used to share a bottle with a couple of friends, so I'd have a glass. And now I'm finishing the bottle. This is not working for me. So she used those questions, where, when, who, with, and what. She didn't want to change the who, you know, that connection with her friends was really important to her. Um, And she couldn't change the where, they were going to be doing it over Zoom. So she spoke to her friends about changing the when. And so they shifted their evening drinks to a mid-morning brunch. And so suddenly, she's sitting there with a cup of coffee instead of a glass of wine. She's getting the connection with her friends, but she's not feeling the pressure to finish the bottle of wine and it's just it's such a simple thing to pay attention to the context around your drinking notice where when who with and what and then figure out that you can change any of those things you know taking control um, can mean making really little changes in any of those areas but essentially you can begin to design out of your life the situations in which you find it easy to drink too much that's very interesting. And there's something when I was uh, managing sales teams, we used to teach, which was bums on goalposts, which is who, you know, opening open questions, who's what, why and how. And so mm-hmm. the how is the, the rugby goalposts and the bums are the W's on top. And it's a really easy way to be able to remember. And as you say, become mindful. It's a, a great suggestion. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, absolutely. With, there's a bit of a curveball with that in mind. How does whether you're an individual or a business owner looking to curb the alcohol consumption and the impact that, that might be having to the well-being of your staff or your friends or yourself, mm-hmm. how do you go about changing that culture within an organization or to be able to, because you can't really change the who because it's, you know, it's your team. Mm-hmm. You know, the why is, is culturally accepted and that's what you've always done or what's always mm-hmm. happened. So, so how, how, do, I mean, what are the, 
for someone who's looking at addressing this and, and trying to yeah. make meaningful changes in, the, in a business, for example, what would you and how would you go about that? So the, the most obvious thing to do is to focus on the what, you know, there is an extraordinary range of low and low alcohol drinks available. You know, the UK is actually a global market leader in alcohol free drink production. We have the most astonishing range of drinks, you know, beers, wines, spirits, kombuchas, shrubs, all sorts of innovation going on in the industry from mainstream big brands through to independent small batch producers. There is a massive amount of innovation going on. Um, it is really not acceptable. I'm going to be really strong about this. It is really not acceptable to not have good quality alcohol free drinks behind your bar. You know, even for just from a customer satisfaction point of view, you know, one in four visits to pubs is alcohol free. You know, if you are, if people are disappointed because all that you've got is orange juice and Diet Coke, um, you are increasing the likelihood that they're not going to come back to your venue. So get your act together and put some decent alcohol-free drinks behind your bar. You know, at the very least, stock some alcohol-free beers, you know, particularly if you're looking at the the mainstream brands, um, you know, one of one of uh, what my uh, my colleague Anya um, describes as unchallenging lagers. You know, if you if you've got um, uh, if you've got a mainstream beer brand behind your bar, it's going to have an alcohol free alternative. You know, that's true for smaller regional people like Adnams and for people like um, Brewdog and others. You know, there are good alcohol free alternatives. And in our experience, and this again comes as a surprise for people, but again, it's borne out by the statistics from retail, um, is that the biggest consumers of alcohol-free beer are people who are drinking regular strength beer. You know, if, you're, if your mindset is people who drink alcohol only want to drink alcohol, you're missing a trick because actually lots of people like to pace themselves and they don't want to switch from beer to coke you know they want to switch from beer to alcohol free beer you know so so it's about focusing on the what providing really good quality alternatives and making them available to people and you would be amazed that the alcohol free drinks are going to go a lot lot quicker than you expect them to you're going to run out i promise that's quite an interesting one i certainly found myself so I, brewdog and I mean, this isn't endorsed or paid for sponsorship but uh, brewdog were my go-to because i was a big fan of punk so i bought mm -hmm. uh punk alcohol free uh elvis juice alcohol free and nanny state and i mm -hmm. i must admit they were enjoyable um and i wouldn't say i enjoyed them any more or less than than their standard range but yes, I definitely did drink them faster because I knew that in the back of my head, it wasn't having any long term impacts to my mental or physical health. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, for, I mean, in terms of sales, if you wanted to make more money as a business and, and appeal to more customers, it's, it's, it's yeah. a no brainer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we did some research last year looking at um, uh, drivers and the behaviour of drivers in pubs and how it is that drivers drink and don't drink. Um, you know, and most drivers going to a pub told us that they'll order a Coke or a fruit juice. You know, 
and, and there is that feels like such a missed opportunity for a pub to upsell a better quality product um, and a product that's going to bring people back, you know. But there's, so there's something actually that really important that people working in hospitality can do to educate their customers about the range that's available. You know, it's not just about if all of your alcohol free beer is stuck in that fridge around the corner of the bar when nobody can see it nobody's going to buy it you know there is there is something about having confidence to sell it and to know that people want it and are going to benefit from it and then of course that translates you know if you're somebody who's running a hospitality um, team if you're running a venue that's going to translate then to your to the way in which you can support your team if you've got a better range of stuff behind the bar for your customers you're going to be able to have a better range of stuff that you can offer to your to your team as well and that's going to help support their well-being and it just comes down to the really simple thing of offering people quality alternatives that they're not disappointed by and they actually want to drink and on that note do you feel that there's quite a bit of stigma when we talk about alcohol-free beers no i think that i think there might have been you know i think that i think the days of caliber are behind us um you know it, you know odul's is the one that people talk about in america as well you know every or beck's blue you know every culture has that that you know there was for a little while there was there was one alcohol free beer that was available on the market um you know and it gets a reputation you know and people feel like they're going to be disappointed by it and that to be honest is pretty unfair um and also you know it doesn't reflect the fact that as i say there is this huge variety you know if you're a beer drinker you can find alcohol-free anything from a straightforward lager to a really complicated porter and literally everything in between alcohol-free. Um, and I don't think there is a stigma to it. I think, you know, I think where people, where there is a stigma actually is by, you know, imagine you're standing around with a group of mates and everyone's got a bottle of beer in their hand and you're the one standing there with an orange juice that feels like stigma you know but if everyone's got a bottle of beer in their hand and yours just happens to be alcohol free you know it's 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 a really it's becomes a really easy way of fitting in so yeah i think i think it's not a stigmatized thing anymore and as i say you know more and more of us are choosing to drink less or not at all um and i think it's just becoming part of the norm in our culture and the more that we can do to encourage it the better i think that's very interesting and are you finding that any particular demographic or age range are sort of the ones who are leading the charge on this well you know there's this kind of idea isn't there that um younger people i say this as a somebody who's now really quite middle-aged um that younger people are drinking less you know that is true to an extent um but genuinely in club soda we have got people of every age and gender and background um changing their drinking you know from people in their early 20s genuinely through to people in their 70s um who were choosing alcohol-free drinks and are deciding to to rethink their relationship with alcohol. Um, the one thing that I would say is, you know, anyone who is really enthusiastic about um, alcohol-free drinks now, in marketing terms, you're an early adopter. You know, there is increasing availability in supermarkets and in venues, but there is a lot. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot further to go actually to make. Um, uh, alcohol-free choices mainstream. You know, 50% of the population either doesn't drink or wants to drink less. 
you know so there is a huge market for alcohol free drinks which is really untapped right now and you know venues can be at the front of raising the profile of these amazing products and bigging up extraordinary producers in the UK um, who are making amazing drinks that people love that's very uh, very well said I mean we did um, a competition two weeks ago with uh, Conquer Gym but they've mm-hmm. just launched uh, Bowser I believe I think yep. you might put, the, might put them in contact with yourselves but yeah the, the whole purpose of Bowser was it was a distilled product product completely alcohol free but that didn't scrimp on any of the flavors or the characteristics that you would come to mm-hmm. expect from a, from a craft craftly produced product, you know? And so we did a competition fairly recently and we struggled to a certain degree to get people to take part in this, mm-hmm. whether that, that was because, you know, our demographics sort of more towards back of house and it is front of house or whether that's just mm-hmm. because of their, you know, people weren't that interested in receiving a bottle of 0% really great quality product. But what we found was that those that had entered had produced some fantastic end results that to everyday layman's, layman's terms, you wouldn't have known that it was alcohol free and the flavors yeah. that it had and the characteristics that it had meant that suddenly no, what, no longer were you ostracized and made to feel like you were, you were outcast as a result mm-hmm. of having a, a 0% alternative. Yeah, it is worth saying, I think, that there is always going to be a hardcore group of people who go what's the point you know what's the why would i why would i fork out cash for something if it's not booze you know those people exist they're you know they're real that you know they're they're much like the the um the consumer who goes why would i bother going to a pub just to have a meal if i'm not drinking what is the point of that? You know, you know, people do get very stuck in their ways, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and dissuade those people. That's not my job. You know, I'm, I'm here for people who've decided that they want to do something about their relationship with alcohol and change it, not to try and beat people around the head if they're, if they are happy with the way that uh, they drink. Um, you know, but um, yeah, talking of, talking of those kind of alcohol free spirits, you're absolutely right. There is, you know, extraordinary kind of craft that goes into making these things alcohol free making them flavorsome and beautiful and interesting one of the really interesting um things that we see is actually some of the some of the uptake of this comes from people who are really interested in food and in flavor and in fitness um that actually you know there's something about you know people who are adventurous and want to try new things um are some of the consumers who are leading the charge in this area. Um, so they're another kind of key demographic to look out for. You know, if, you, if you're if you serving, to be frank, bog-standard pub fare, um, you shouldn't be surprised if your customers want bog-standard alcohol-free drinks, you know. But, you know, there, there's a matching, isn't there, of kind of people's um, ambition and excitement about food and flavor and novelty and those kinds of things and then that's really easy to carry across into alcohol free choices i think it's a good point and it's like an old analogy i was given by a a a roastery once a coffee roaster and he said to me Mm -hmm. he said one of the things that many establishments let themselves down on and i guess this is true for alcohol free uh, selections as well is that you go and have a beautiful meal with fantastic service in a great environment and then you have a really nasty Nescafe coffee to finish. <laughs> and he said, and he just pointed out that sometimes in our industry, we just need to pay a little bit more 
detail and, and more, more attention to these these subtle nuances and these differences and and mm -hmm. alcohol free alternatives and coffee as well get yourself some good coffee don't let the coffee let you down um, yeah to to really drive drive customer satisfaction but also as you said earlier in 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 you know in our conversation is to get people to hospitality staff to interact with new products and Mm -hmm. expand their horizons become more creative and more knowledgeable in yeah. subject matters yeah absolutely it's interesting you talk about um you talk about uh, you know that uh restaurants being let down by coffee one of the areas which is is worth saying you know that um there is significant improvement but it's a slower industry to evolve and change is in alcohol-free wine um there is a really good selection now of alcohol-free sparkling wines um very good selections of alcohol-free whites alcohol-free reds you know there is huge improvement and there's some really good interesting products coming through people like nine elms and others who are making really good interesting alcohol-free red wine sometimes with herbal extracts and all sorts of other things that add richness and context and flavor and uh, you know amazing product but but yeah so wine is one of the areas where there is definite room for growth um, in terms of the availability of product interestingly actually a lot of people who drink wine um when they're going alcohol-free or making alcohol-free choices, will switch over to complex alcohol-free beers. You know, just an uh, interesting thing to note if you are um, putting together a drinks menu for a restaurant, um, having some good alcohol-free beers, complex flavours is going to be, you know, a good way of pairing with food as well. Alcohol-free. I must admit, I had an alcohol, uh, uh, 0% red wine. And I, I, I hate to I hate to say things bad, especially on this podcast, but it was awful. It was it was vinegary and terrible. And mm -hmm. as a first entry to a zero percent red wine, I thought, oh, God, this is uh, this has put me on the back foot. So in terms of uh, suggestions, um, it's like if you were to look for the go to decent zero percent red or white wine, where, where, would, where would you be looking? Okay, so my 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 two favourite alcohol-free red wines are Nine Elms. Um, that is a de-alcoholised red wine with herbal um, extracts added. It is uh, complex and interesting, um, and very drinkable. You know, one of the one of the challenges with alcohol free wine of course is that alcohol adds a lot of body and texture and complexity to the wine um you know so without it you know alcohol alkalized wines can be very thin um and can tend towards being sweet or more kind of vinegary so you know nine elms have done a really good job of making a very very good um uh, drink based on a de-alkalized red wine with, with herbal extracts. Um, the other alcohol-free red wine that I really like is made by Adnams, of all people. You know, you wouldn't think a Suffolk brewer would be making an excellent alcohol-free red wine, but I really enjoy theirs. Um, it's definitely, definitely worth trying. Um, but like anything, you know, if you are the kind of person who is three bottles of wine for a tenner, um if you if you bring that attitude to alcohol free wine you are going to be disappointed because to be frank you're actually not drinking for flavor anyway right you know so so let's be honest you know you you're going to you're going to get what you pay for so you should be expecting to pay 
you should be expecting to pay good money for a good alcohol-free product. You know, particularly with wine, but this is true for beer and for um, and for um, alcohol-free spirits as well. These products have been through the same production process um, and then additional production processes to remove alcohol and to adjust flavor and all of these kinds of things. You know, if you if your if your view of the world of alcohol is maximum amount of alcohol for minimum amount of price, and then you bring that to the world of alcohol-free drinks, you are going to be really disappointed. You know, so so focus on the quality of the product. Um you know, think about the complexity of the manufacturing process. Amazing stuff out there, um, but you're going to have to pay for it if you want a really good thing. That's a good point, actually. I spent uh, I spent a day. So we've got um, a low low percent IPA that's called Speak Out, and it's brewed by a company called Bareface Brewing in uh, Blanford in Dorset, and they brew, brew it, and then 25% of their profits go towards the Burnt Chef project. And we were always keen on doing a 0% version because of the the... I guess the the stereotype in terms of how hospitality sort of you know, consumes a lot of alcohol, um, but having spent a day brewing this beer and you know getting involved in the processes and looking at what type of yeast they use out of fifteen different types of yeast and all the mm-hmm. malt and hops and everything else, that was taxing enough. Then also then to try and explore how to extract or to to get rid of the alcohol from that whilst also mm-hmm. keeping it actually drinkable was mm-hmm. was just it was i'm not going to say far too complex but from a brewer's perspective it is a lot of additional work and and i think you should be prepared to you know to to celebrate that work and and if that does mean paying you know extra couple of quid then then so be it yeah absolutely i mean there is a there you know there are there are brewers you know like uh like nirvana for example like big drop um brewers who only brew alcohol free um you know and you know a, a whole host of different ways of doing that from brewing um full strength beer and then removing alcohol in all sorts of different um ways to people using lazy yeasts and other ways of actually brewing to a lower strength or to an alcohol free strength um you know there's been a massive particularly in craft beer um there's been a massive amount of innovation over the past few years and some really exciting brands as well you know people like people like drop bear drop bear beer who are based in um south wales um making amazing um make amazing alcohol free beers you know there's some there's some really good really good products around um that are definitely definitely worth trying um yeah and you know particularly if you're if you're in the industry and if you're making um if you're making beer um and you don't have an alcohol free beer in your range um it's worth reaching out to people in other brewers other brewers who are doing this already to talk about processes and how to do it and how to do it really well there is definitely space in the market for more innovation and more product um and customers who are ready to buy it you know even people like even people uh, who are doing uh, alcohol free beer subscription boxes you know there is a there's a vast amount of uh, opportunity to get good products in front of people that's very it's worth noting thank you very much and in terms of resources for those who are looking at starting on this journey and want to learn mo- a little bit more, obviously they can visit uh, your website, the Club Soda mm-hmm. website, um, and the Drinks Trust is there to support and hopefully you know, we'll, we'll be working much closer with them as time goes on. But are there any other resources or, or places that people can look? 
Um, yeah, so yeah, just to just to uh, talk a little to that. So yeah, if you go to joinclubsoda.com, um, take a look at our courses section and you'll find the, uh, we've got two courses um, for people who work in the hospitality industry. Um, one, if you're thinking about uh, drinking mindfully, maybe you want to moderate or cut down. Um, and another, if you're thinking about going alcohol-free, whether you want to take a break or whether you want to go alcohol-free for the longer term, we've got courses and they are free. They're fully funded by the Drinks Trust. They normally cost 40 quid and you'll get it for nothing so um, you'll get 31 um, lessons you'll get a host of tools you'll get the support of an amazing community um, and you'll yeah you'll bring about change i guess other things worth looking at in the hospitality industry is check out the work that's being done by healthy hospo they're doing great things yourselves of course you know the burnt chef project um the drinks trust we're, we're funded by the drinks trust they have a wellness service um uh, and that includes looking at things like sleep um looking at talking therapies they've got a host of information um available um including financial support you know so if you're in if you're in financial difficulty right now um there is support available from from the drinks trust the, the benevolent society for the drinks industry and happy to talk to people about um about the support that you need so do get in touch with them there is support available so don't if you know if you're if you're sitting in sitting at home right now maybe you've been on furlough and your drinking got out of hand during lockdown maybe you're struggling with the stress of going back to work and your drinking is you know off the chart don't take for granted that you have to do this alone you know we in club soda the burnt chef project the drinks trust and others are here to support you to change um and to help you to to drink more mindfully and to live well it's what we exist for Great shout out. And I think that all of those services, including Tim at Healthy Hospital, are fantastic for, for this sort of thing. And mm -hmm. you know, thanks. Yeah, great, great mention. I think combined with all of us, we can start to make vast, vast improvements to an industry that previously perhaps haven't uh, even looked at this subject. So yeah. I'm very excited for what the future holds. But um, yeah, is, is there any other information or anything, anything further that you think that would be beneficial for, for our listeners to hear? Um, yeah, follow us at Join Club Soda. We're on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, during May, actually, we're, we've got a whole focus on mindfulness. Um, so uh, do follow us for, for Mindful May uh, activities. Um, but yeah, follow us. And um, yeah, we've got drinks, recommendations and blogs. We have a podcast of our own. Um, do subscribe to that. Um, yeah, lots of ways to get involved at Join Club Soda. Drew, thank you ever so much, and um, thank you. Yeah, I look forward to, to hopefully doing some some more bits together uh, over the well for the next five ten years. Let's uh, yeah, let's, yeah, definitely. Let's, let's keep going. Thank you very much for that. And um, if there's uh, yeah, if do go check out the that website and check out the great work that Club Soda and also the Drinks Trust are doing. And um, yeah, thank I really you very hope much, you enjoyed too. this week's episode Cheers. of the Burn Chef yeah, Journal. Thank you. Bye. If you wanted to learn more about The Burnt Chef Project, head over to our website, www.theburntchefproject.com, where you'll find a whole host of resources and information relating to well-being and mental health within hospitality. Whilst you're there, why not visit our shop and support us by purchasing some branded merchandise, which we then use the profits to fund our ongoing work in destigmatizing mental health within the hospitality industry. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again next week.